Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Option to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we've got an amazing guest on and somebody we dearly love who's been in the world of grief and loss with us for many years. We've known him since his son, Jesse, died. So we're going to be talking about treating suicide and drug bereavement deaths today. And would you introduce our guest, Heidi? Sure, I'd love to. Dr. Bill Fagelman is a bereaved dad. He is an emeritus professor of sociology from Nassau Community College in Garden City, New York. He is the author or, or co-author of seven books. He is an open to hope author. He has been on our show before, and he has written a book called Devastating Losses, How Parents Cope with the Death of a Child to Suicide or Drugs. And today, he finished a book chapter of another book, Mom, and the book chapter is called what grief professionals need to know to help traumatically bereaved through suicide and drug overdose. Mm -hmm. So welcome to the show, Bill. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Essentially, uh, I think everybody is aware of, of the, you know, how the COVID epidemic has made traumatic deaths more common. I, one of the things that they noticed, uh, the, the CDC, was that there was uh, 80,000... Uh, drug overdose deaths in in the year 2019, wow. uh, the first year of the pandemic, and it was just off the charts. They never had anything close to that. Uh, 60,000 was uh, the top number before. Suicides are uh, rising too. During the pandemic, there was 80,000 deaths to drug overdose. Right, in one in year. Past, right. In one year, and in the past, it's right. been 60,000, so it was that big of a jump. Right. Wow. And the suicide rate didn't really go up that much, but it, it, it's it, there's the the last year we have suicide uh, figures for is 2019, and there were 47,000 suicides that year, but it's been rising uh, slowly also for uh, 20 or more years. The suicide rate, uh, but uh, no no uh, sharp increase uh, there. Uh, during the pandemic. So uh, it seems with the preliminary data that is available. But for me, I'm interested in the bereaved, the people who are uh, the re relatives of those who die. And there's at least uh, for every death uh, of, of that type, uh, suicide or, or drug death, there's 10 more or maybe 20 more uh, family members or friends who are impacted adversely from the death. And there's, uh, uh, I did a paper on this uh, in 2017 in the Journal of Affective Disorders, and we estimated for, for suicide alone uh, between uh, 45 to 90 million bereaved, just bereaved for the suicide alone. So if, if you simply double that uh, for the drug death bereaved, you might end up with uh, 180. Uh, it's more than half of the adult population uh, has some exposure 
to uh, drug or suicide death uh, bereavement. And that, that, yeah. So, you know, one of the first things I recommended in my paper was that uh, every client, every patient should be asked, uh, have you lost any socially significant person to uh, a, a drug or suicide death? And uh, does it, if so, does it still bother you now? Because they may have some unresolved uh, grief issues. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the essence of what I wrote in this chapter really uh, revolves around social support or the lack of social support to people who are bereaved from drugs and from suicide. And we found stunningly high numbers of at least half or more of the people who are, uh, this was parents, uh, we had almost 600, 575 to be exact, Parents uh, in our survey, in uh, uh, the survey was collected in 2006 and 2009. And we had uh, half or uh, maybe 60% in that range having some or many of their socially significant others saying hurtful, uh, blaming things about them uh, or, about or the person who the deceased. The deceased. Let me ask that. you a question because um, you had that experience of your son dying by suicide um, 19 years ago. Did you find that true for yourself? Absolutely. I mean, uh, we uh, lived through this where people, uh, a good uh, so-called good friend and colleague when I told him my son died, he said, oh, I have to sit down and talk to you about it. And I said, okay, I, uh, let's, let's uh, sit down and talk now. He says, no, I can't talk now. I have to go home and check my mail. Uh, and, and, you know, thing, things like avoidance behavior like this, uh, the message was clear that, you know, I, I can't really be available for you. And, 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 and yet at the same time, I, I profess to be a good close friend and, and other people in our survey reported all kinds of hurtful things. People saying, if it was my son or daughter who died that way, it, it, that wouldn't have happened on my watch. I wouldn't have let that happen. Why didn't you get him or her into a, a better therapy program? And uh, oh, he, he or she was lazy. Uh, they were always self-centered and you know, d damning comments to the, uh, deceased, uh, you know, I mean. So blaming, so blaming the deceased or family members. Blaming the parent yeah. or the child for the death, you know, that, that this was, we counted all these statements and we found that none of the people who lost their children from natural causes heard anything like this. Mm -hmm. And only one who who's, uh, child died in an accident, in a car accident, had heard something like this. Mm -hmm. But half or uh, 40 to 50% of the suicide bereaved had heard this. Wow, that, that's really shocking. So, uh, you know, the, the, the message to the clinician really was, and you know, is uh, make sure your patients uh, are finding support in their intimate communities. And if they're not, that they should uh, avert cont uh, contacts with 
toxic people, people who say these nasty, dismissive, or avoidance-oriented kinds of things, uh, gravitate away from those people and uh, gravitate towards people who are uh, supportive, compassionate, caring, and giving you so support. Because mm -hmm. in the grief process, you, you live through this yourselves, you know, you have to make meaning and, and make sense of it and talk it through, use your friends and family as a sounding board. It, mm -hmm. it, you know, it, I mean, you, you talk to a therapist when you have no friends and, and family to uh, interact supportively with. But when you're, uh, with, you, you don't always behave with your therapist. You, you uh, transact in the social world. And They're not know. with you on Thanksgiving and Christmas also, right, yeah. or Monica or whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah. How, how did, who were the most supportive people for you in that time? And how would you suggest to men and women to find that kind of support? Well, we were lucky in having a few key members of our family be very supportive. Some who we expected to be a very uh, supportive were not, and we avoided them. And we made a lot of new friends in support groups and in the uh, uh, grief uh, groups. We, we found uh, a lot of, you know, compassionate, uh, caring, interest, people who were there for us, who, who we could talk to. And um, it, it was, you know, like new friends came in to our lives and, and that was very uh, meaningful to us mm -hmm. uh, along with the, uh, the, the, uh, the reliable people. And, and then there were some unexpected people who we never thought would uh, uh, show compassion who did. And uh, um, we, uh, you know, in the early days, we uh, like many other, uh, you know, newly bereaved people, we grabbed on to the people who we could talk about our son with uh, share good memories of his life and, uh, you know, think about his good points. Because one of the things that happens with a traumatic death is people get focused on the death itself and they forget about the rest of the life of the person. We must keep in mind all of those winning qualities, those admirable attributes of those people we lost, mm -hmm. and they are the ones that matter in the long run. Well, well, Bill, I always say a gift that you can give someone, like you said, people are fixated on the way they died and the way they died, the way my brother died was a moment in time. The way he lived was years of amazing memories. I think a great gift you can give someone that's grieving is say, hey, talk to me about Scott. Talk to me about Jesse. Who were they? You know, I didn't know them. So, so in, tell me what they were like. What did you like about them? What do you miss about them? You know, introduce me to them in a sense. Right. And what else did you find in your paper? Uh, well, uh, essentially, it, it, you know, the, the need to make meaning is, is, a, is a, a public thing. You, you want to be with other people, talk about the person, remember them, and do all those things to cherish the memory. Uh, and also uh, having a, a, uh, an environment focusing or encouraging openness instead of secrecy. The people who found it easy to talk about the lost loved one, who would readily talk about it versus, versus the others who would, I, I can't talk about it, I have to be secret. Secrecy is necessary. That was the other 
possibility. Well, the ones who favored the secrecy, they showed much poorer mental health. Mm -hmm. They didn't have, uh, you know, any uh, 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 optimism. Uh, they, they were depressed. Uh, they were looking very negatively and suspiciously around the world, whereas the other folks were open, who were talking, and felt that it was important to talk about the lost loved one, they had much better mental health. So uh, this is another thing. Open disclosure is, I think, important in the process of uh, getting to the uh, a better place, and that the counselor should be uh, encouraging openness. If, if, open if, 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 the, uh, if the patient asks, should I keep it a secret or should I uh, talk about my lost loved one? And, uh, you know, they should be encouraging openness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's interesting. That's an interesting finding that if you keep mm -hmm. it secret, it can, it, you know, about how they died, it can, it can wreak havoc on your, your mental health and your physical health. Right. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, What's one of your favorite things about your son, Jesse, who died by suicide? Well, he loved movies. He was a, a filmmaker himself. And I am trying to keep the filmmaking spirit alive. I, I think I generated it because I was, a, uh, you know, uh, always a movie buff myself. So I've been going to the New York Film Festival and the Hamptons International Film Festival, seeing... Uh, a great many films in the past couple of weeks. And just imagining my son being there with me, my, uh, Beverly has come with me to the films and she's seen as many as possible uh, within her busy work schedule. But, you know, we, we're enjoying the movies and sorry that Jesse isn't there watching them with us because uh, he would always uh, love to be there. And, and do you get a chance to say to people, my son really, my son Jesse really enjoyed the movies? Oh, yeah. Among the, the people who we are close to, they know that and we talk about it. And if we find a good movie, uh, you know, we, we talk, uh, oh, Jesse would have liked this one or he wouldn't have liked this other one. Uh, <laughs> you know. I love it. Well, thank you for all the work you do. Right. And, and I want to say that you have an article uh, on our Open to Hope site, you're an Open to Hope author, which is an important article. Uh, and it is on the fact, uh, questioning some research that you did on whether people divorce or not after uh, the loss of a child, because there's a lot of belief out there that people are gonna get divorced and a lot of fear. And you did some research on that and they can find that uh, on our Open to Hope site. And there's another article that you did there that I like, which was, on silence, the healing power of silence. Uh -huh. Because I don't know if you remember this little article you wrote, but it was really quite interesting because it was, we all talk about what you can say to people and what you can do to make them feel better and all that. But one of the things that a, a woman said to you was the power of silence, just being with somebody. Right. Uh -huh. At a loss. And, and you know, some people, one, someone came up to me once after Scott died and said, I have no idea what to say to you. And that, I actually appreciated that. You know, I mean, they were there. They said, I want to be here for you. I just don't know what to say. And I liked that, just to be honest. Oh, yeah, no, if, if they say something like that and they stick around, but right. they don't yeah. just uh, take off when they say that or, or show <laughs> yeah. some, uh, you know, uh, 
agitated or discomforted right. state where uh, if you if, if you talk about it, they're going to be uh, finding it hard uh, the, the, to deal with it. You know, if they seem to be very jittery about it, then uh, it doesn't uh, seem very helpful. But if they seem, uh, you know, smooth and comfortable, comfortable and wanting to talk about it and not knowing what to say, it's perfectly fine. I, I'll tell you, you know, when I'm working on a new uh, project with uh, a young man who just got his PhD, uh, he did this uh, comparison study between the drug death and the suicide death people. And we, uh, we, we just published an article in a journal called Stress and Health about uh, this, uh, the contrast. And we found these were not parents, they were uh, significant others of the uh, deceased. Uh, and uh, they, uh, they were all within five years uh, of the loss. Uh, and we found that suicide uh, bereave showed more suicide tendencies mm -hmm. than the drug debt bereave, which was kind of surprising. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show. It's so good to okay. see you. Much love to Beverly. Right. Okay, a pleasure being on. Nice, keep keep up, keep on keeping on. <laughs> thank right. you. Right. We'll keep on keeping you. on, Bill. Thank you so much, and okay. thank you for building awareness for stigmatized losses out there. All right, great. Okay, be well. Take care now. And thanks right. everybody for joining us on the show today. And Heidi and I hope that you'll visit us at openandahope.com. And we always want to remind you that if you've lost hope. Please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.